Hello and welcome to the third episode of Political Inquiry. We are a podcast put on by the Michigan Gailey, which is an LGBTQ plus news publication at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor about queer issues as they pertain to local politics in Michigan. I'm your host, Blake Bile, current senior at the University of Michigan studying political science and writing. And today we are joined by current Washtenaw County Commissioner and candidate for Michigan's new 23rd State House District, Jason Morgan. In this episode, we will be talking with Jason about his journey into politics, his achievements as a Washtenaw County Commissioner, and the current problems which he seeks to solve in office. Before we get started, I would just like to thank our scriptwriter Adara Noble and our social media slash graphics director Atticus Spicer for their contributions on this episode. Without further ado, please enjoy. Thank you for joining us, Jason. Before we get started, for people that don't really know about you or about your background, could you speak a little bit about sort of um, how you got into politics, your your journey into office, um, and sort of sort of your your introduction, your pathway there? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a I'll give you a, a short version of a of a long uh, background so far. Um, Currently live in Ann Arbor and serve as a Washtenaw County Commissioner representing Central Ann Arbor, generally campus students, um, the the main part of downtown in the city here. Um, but grew up in Northern Michigan, uh, went to college at Northern Michigan University, and moved to Ann Arbor to work for Congressman John Dingle about twelve years ago, okay. and just fell in love with it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a pretty good sense that I might like it, um, but uh, wasn't sure, and discovered that it is really an amazing place uh, with some pretty amazing people. So uh, 12 years here, I've served on the county commission for six. Um, I serve on the board of Northern Michigan University as a trustee and uh, teach at Washtenaw Community College where I worked for several years as their director of government relations. Uh, And then outside of my community work here, I serve as a member of the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary. Awesome. Um, out of uh, Detroit area. So cool. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to pack them all into a, an actual introduction. But um, I think one of the big things is that I, I am uh, our, our first ever openly gay county commissioner mm-hmm. that Washington County's ever had. And I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. What um, was there anything in particular that got you sort of interested into politics? Have you always been interested? Have you always been political? What kind of um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been really interested in solving problems, mm-hmm. figuring out difficult things and trying to help people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you had asked me when I was uh, a high schooler, I would have said there's never I could never see in a million years any time or place that I would run for political office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up gay in a pretty rural place, mm-hmm. uh, Pinconning, Michigan, and very Bluntly, where I grew up, you would never run for office if you were gay or someone else who was um, not a cis white person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wasn't a thing that happened there. And still to this day is um, not something that happens there. They've mm-hmm. actually had some of the most conservative representation in the legislature mm-hmm. uh, you can possibly get in the state of Michigan. I feel like that's I um, I also grew up in, in sort of the base of the thumb and went to uh, all white school um, very Christian, and same thing. I when I was going into high school, always interested in politics, but um, I had the same sort of apprehension. Like I could never do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I could be involved in some which way, but I could never run. Um, so for you, what was kind of like that changing moment that you were like, you know what? Right now, like it's the time I'm going to run. 
what was what was that sort of changing point? Yeah, well, so I in college got um, involved in some local campaigns in in Marquette, Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, worked for my member of Congress up there. Worked for a state legislator in, in Lansing for a summer, uh, and realized that you know maybe this is a place I could do do something useful, but still thought it as more like a volunteer type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I got an internship with Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. at her campaign in 2008. And um, I know lots of folks have differing opinions of Hillary, but um, for me, growing up as a young person in rural Michigan and seeing her when she was first lady mm -hmm. walk in a pride parade for the first time mm -hmm. was a pretty defining moment for me. Mm -hmm. And I so I just got really interested in in seeing the work that she was doing. And she just seemed like somebody who was incredibly tough and persistent mm -hmm. and always trying to do something good and positive. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to me, she was kind of a hero, um, which maybe doesn't make a lot of sense to folks based on where I grew up. But uh, so I saw the work that she was doing and then had the opportunity to meet her and intern for her mm -hmm. and thought, you know what, maybe this is something I could do as a, a like with my life. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, after working in D.C. for a short bit, moved to Ann Arbor to work for Congressman Dingell, still with the idea that I would like to work for folks who are doing good work, mm -hmm. um, elected officials that I believed in, mm -hmm. um, but still never really thought of myself running until I, I found the Ann Arbor community here, because it was one where not only is it possible to run for office being gay, it's people are excited about it. Yeah. People want diverse representation here. Uh, and are willing to support somebody who's young, progressive, and gay in a way that I just, I didn't know existed. Yeah. So that it really is Ann Arbor, I think, that got me um, to realize that I could run run for office myself. That's awesome. When um, Which which election, election cycle were you working with Hillary for? Early? So 2008 was my time interning for her okay. in D.C., and then... Um, uh, ran for office my first time in 2016. Okay. Okay. Any correlation with um with Donald Trump's campaign? <laughs> or, uh, or... It was certainly nice to see Hillary as the nominee. Yeah. Um so I was very excited to run uh and have my name be on the ballot with I mean the if you think about it, the the opportunity to have your name on the ballot with somebody who is really your hero um, is a pretty surreal experience. Yeah. Um would not have anticipated spending my election night um, with a lot of tears mm -hmm. uh, when things did not work out for Hillary. Mm -hmm. uh, and even worse, that Donald Trump was the one who got elected it, instead. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it was a pretty exciting time to be able to run and, and campaign with her. Yeah, it seems bittersweet. Like Very supporting bittersweet. her, she's, uh, she's her idol. And then you win and she doesn't win. Um, so my next question is, how has the Ann Arbor community um, and the attitudes that they sort of have for for queer representation, for diverse representation, how has that translated to um, the Board of Commissioners in Washington? Yeah, um, well, quite frankly, I was surprised to learn that I was the first ever gay county commissioner elected. I just assumed I wasn't mm -hmm. uh, until after my election, uh, somebody shared that with me and I said, there's no way. Mm -hmm. And so we dug and dug and looked into it and could not find any anyone before who mm -hmm. had been openly gay. Um, it's been pretty supportive. Um, a lot of my efforts have been focused in trying to increase awareness through the pride flag and increase awareness for our trans community. We've passed some pretty comprehensive policies around 
facilities and employment policies, updating documents that had gendered terminology in our documents, mm -hmm. things like that, that most people don't think about. But if you are a trans person, mm -hmm. um, you do think about it because you read a document that you're applying for a job for mm -hmm. or filling out a paperwork as an employee and you have to answer a, a, a gender question that's circle male or female mm -hmm. and your answer is neither. Yeah. Um, so working on those things has been pretty interesting. There's been a little bit of, um, I think, internal pushback here and there, um, but it's been pretty... Um, pretty positive so far. That's also that's awesome to hear. Is there anything in particular that there's pushback on? Is it specifically trans issues? Is it? Um, I think it's just when it comes to will we put resources like financial resources mm -hmm. behind supporting um, LGBTQ things? Um, and it's it's a valid question anytime we spend money anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I have heard rumblings that um, on some of the occasions where we've been doing some some visibility and awareness, uh, there have been some staff who have um, never said anything to me directly, but mm -hmm. been slightly displeased uh, at some of the things that we were doing. Mm -hmm. How do, how does that affect you in your working relationship with your colleagues? I mean, it's got to be hard being a politician. You know what I mean? You're trying to pass meaningful legislation and meaningful policy. Um, but kind of some, having that in the back of your head has to affect that relationship or those relationships with some of those people. You know, I'm always an optimist. So mm -hmm. the there's one side of me that thinks like, ah, oh, that's terrible and frustrating. Uh, but on the other hand, we are, I think, changing the culture in the organization, mm -hmm. changing the mindset over time. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that somebody has questions or concerns when you're first doing something um, doesn't always have to mean that they are bad or that they are not eventually going to be on board. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always an opportunity to educate people yeah, and show them sure. that like, Hey, here's why this is important. Mm -hmm. um, we don't just raise the the trans pride flag to, you know, feel good or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's because it really does show people that they are supported by their local government and in our community mm -hmm. and it impacts their their lives pretty directly mm -hmm. um and it doesn't negatively impact anyone yeah um so that's i think the opportunity is there to sometimes people are resistant at first and then after a while they kind of either get on board or kind of get out of the way or just accept it and whatever the case may be yeah uh that's fine with me it doesn't cause too many more problems huh no not at all and and i will say that the my fellow commissioners have been incredibly supportive Good. uh so there's never been a an item that i've put up so far mm -hmm. uh supporting the lgbtq community where someone has um voted against it or um spoken against it mm -hmm. uh on the board of commissioners itself mm -hmm. but with that said we have nine democrats on a nine member board mm -hmm. and so we are a pretty um fortunate place in terms of our representation mm -hmm. And um, that is a pretty unique and special thing here in Washington County. Yeah. Um, with with November, the November elections in mind, um, you know, how how are you going to use that sort of attitude, the optimistic attitude um, to deal with potential resistance, depending on how the election goes? I mean, you know, I think we have a really, really good chance with the Independent Citizens Commission, with the new districts. Um, to flip both state houses, but you know, you never know until you know. 
Um, so in that case where we don't flip the houses and, and you do gain office, um, how is your attitude going into that going to change, say the same? Yeah, my approach to government has always been that you have to work with whoever's at the table. Mm -hmm. You work really hard during campaigns to get the best people there mm -hmm. that you possibly can. But once the election is over, uh, you've got to work with whoever is there. Yeah. Uh, and so my hope would be to connect with people on a human level mm -hmm. as, as, as me, mm -hmm. as a, an openly gay person, um, mm -hmm. no matter what their political party is. Uh, and so there, cause there are a lot of things that we can have in common. I grew up in Northern Michigan. I understand that life is very different there than it is in Ann Arbor mm -hmm. or Grand Rapids or Detroit. It's different worlds. Mm -hmm. Uh, and finding ways to connect with people, um, on, on a human level, I think is the key to maybe getting some of them to come on board mm -hmm. or to be more supportive or at least to get them to not try and roll back some of our rights. Yeah. Um, I shall pause to say it is absolutely critical that Democrats get elected this cycle in the House and the Senate mm -hmm. uh, and, and at the top of the ticket with Governor Whitmer as well, because there is a huge negative opportunity here for our rights to be rolled back significantly mm -hmm. uh, and you have a lot of candidates running on the, the republican side of the aisle that are very conservative mm -hmm. um they aren't moderates uh, that are running the cycle it is far right-wing people mm -hmm. and so for a lot of them there's nothing in the world i can do to convince them to support human decency and basic rights mm -hmm. for other citizens for a lot of them that is the case um, no matter who's in, who's in the majority, uh, though, my hope will be to find the few of them that are willing to work with us and connect with them on the issues that are important to them. So maybe it's rural broadband. Yeah. That doesn't rural broadband doesn't help straight or gay people any differently. It helps everyone. Mm -hmm. So if you can help connect on those issues, great. Work on those things and then say, you know, it'd be also nice if we could be supportive of everyone having equal access to employment and mm -hmm. housing and things regardless of who they are. Um, or if we do get to a point where there's a horrible decision at the federal level around gay marriage, for example, um, I think that there are some folks that are running that you could potentially convince to to say that is that is a line too far. Mm -hmm. We have to protect some of these basic rights of, around human decency. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know for sure. I've not been there yet. Um, but in my my history working in government, I have found that you can generally find ways to connect with with most people. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of um it's sort of the idea of like coming in sort of soft core with with some of those shared beliefs and then slowly building out and slowly building those relationships. Um I, I wrote a story um last year, last fall on conversion therapy in Michigan. And um, I think it, one of the first bills to, to ban conversion therapy in Michigan was introduced by um, Adam Zemke in, in 2014. And um, just watching the, the history of the bill and seeing it get more co-sponsors, more co-sponsors um, up until right now, I think in both chambers when it was introduced, um, all members of the Democratic Party co-sponsored onto, onto the bills. Um, and even in the Senate, there was one Republican senator, one Republican state senator. So it kind of speaks on that, you know, continued visibility, continued attempt at trying to make those relationships. Um, 
pays off. You know what I mean? So it's it's great to hear that that optimism. Well, I mean, think of it this way. I uh, am recently engaged. I proposed to my fiance this summer. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I proposed to John at the um, top of his family's hay silo mm-hmm. uh, in on his family farm in Wisconsin. Um, that is not maybe a traditional gay experience, um, <laughs> but um, but we come from very rural roots. Both mm-hmm. of us do. Um, you know, I I just I can imagine there being a, an experience where we have to vote on um, officially legalizing gay marriage in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm at a point where I'm either still engaged or or married at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to a, a Republican or even a more conservative Democratic colleague about, hey, uh, are you actually telling me that you think I, as one of your fellow human beings, mm-hmm. colleagues here, should not have the same right to have a family mm-hmm. legally in the way that you do? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to believe in my heart that there is some level of dignity that they should feel or self-respect that they should feel mm-hmm. to not be able to say, no, because you are gay, you do not get the same rights. Yeah. I I will likely be disappointed in that feeling mm-hmm. uh, based on what I've seen in Lansing the last few years. But I have to believe that there's it's at least worth trying. Mm-hmm. And that at the very least, um, preventing more bad things uh, yeah. is possible if Republicans are still in charge in Lansing. Yeah. So um, maybe on a little bit of a lighter note, if yeah. we if we do win back both houses um, or both state legislatures, both chambers, um, what are some things that you plan on implementing um, in particular? What are some issues that uh, really resonate to you that you think you're gonna you can create real good change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, uh, to be candid, the issues that I really want to work on are um, not necessarily LGBT in in um, just LGBT related. Yeah, sure. Um, some of the things that I've seen based on living here in this community and, and I've seen throughout the state as I've been traveling the state, knocking doors of other candidates is housing affordability is the biggest challenge that we face mm-hmm. as as young people. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't understand how hard it is to buy a home and to afford a home mm-hmm. in any community in Michigan right now. Uh, we used to talk about college affordability and there are a lot of programs that are great to, to help with college affordability mm-hmm. to make it just slightly less awful. Yeah. And now we have student loan forgiveness to some small degree from mm-hmm. the federal government, which is huge. Like mm-hmm. that is incredible. Um, but there are a lot of folks who are making public policy, who bought a home 20, 30 years ago mm-hmm. when interest rates were were different and when um, you could buy a home for 80, 90, 100, $200,000. Mm-hmm. That is not the world we live in anymore. Mm-hmm. And so our basic uh, biggest purchase as citizens and, and families has doubled and sometimes tripled in cost. Mm-hmm. And what people don't always think was the taxes associated with it have mm-hmm. also doubled and tripled in cost because mm-hmm. the homes are worth more. Salaries have not doubled and tripled in all these years. Yep. And that is a perspective that I want to bring to Lansing to say, we've got to do something about this. We need first-time homebuyer programs to make it so that you can actually afford to buy a home and Mm -hmm. compete with out-of-state money that's coming in and just buying homes with cash Mm -hmm. that are under four or $500,000 and making it impossible for young people to compete. Mm -hmm. Um, These are things that 
you know, if you owned a home for 20 years, you've gained a ton of wealth mm -hmm. in the value of your home and your tax rates are, are fixed at a lower rate mm -hmm. and they only increase a little bit over time. So you're not paying the same level of taxes that anybody who purchases a home today mm -hmm. would, would pay. This is one of the biggest issues I've seen and I don't know the exact solution to it. I think it's multifaceted, mm -hmm. but I think it's something that needs to be on the, the radar of policymakers more mm -hmm. so that they can figure out a solution. I mean, the first step in solving a problem is acknowledging that it exists and that there are solutions available yeah. and then figuring out what are the options and what is the best solution to help people. Yeah. Do you think that um, the disconnect there is between sort of an older generation um, and a younger generation? I do. I do because uh, if you, anyone who owns, owns a home right now, they've seen their their family's wealth go up so much mm -hmm. because they have they basically already had that investment and now it's worth a whole lot more than it was when they bought it yeah and so this really is a a critical problem particularly for people in their 20s and 30s trying to buy their first home mm -hmm. and it's not like we could just keep renting at a lower rate either mm -hmm. if any of for anyone who pays rent in Ann Arbor, at least. Uh, hey, that's me. It is yeah. not affordable. I mean, no, it's outrageous. It's not. Yeah, it's $2,000 for a two-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. That is nuts. Uh, we need to build more housing. We need to make it actually affordable. Mm -hmm. uh, and we need to find ways so that once people graduate and get done with school, they can actually buy their own home, whether it's yeah. here or anywhere else in the state. That is something that... Uh, you know, I'm a little biased in this because I'm personally at that exact moment in my life mm -hmm. where I am getting engaged or I'm engaged and I want to start a family and buy a home together. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of a first step is making sure that you can afford to live here. Yeah. And um, so that's one of the big things I want to work on. It's yeah. housing affordability that impacts all of us, mm -hmm. not necessarily uh, LGBTQ related, but um, but I just think it's something that isn't really being talked about enough. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I mean, we've got row on the ballot. We've got um, obviously both chambers on the ballot. We have other big issues. Um, it, it definitely, I could see how it would be something that kind of gets brushed under the rug, but something that, like you said, affects all of us. I mean, I, could, I couldn't tell you how many times um, I live with five other people. So there are six people in the house. Um, how much we talk about how how insane rent is, and um, you know it, it, that's just rent. Right. Now we're talking food. It's just cost of living. Period. Right. So you know it's too that, damn expensive. Yeah. The rent is too damn high. Yep. The food prices are too damn high. The you know, if you have to have a car, which a lot of us do in Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, that is is really high mm -hmm. uh, you have to park it somewhere in Ann Arbor I suspect mm -hmm. if you have five people living in one house uh, the city council has not made it any easier for you to figure out where to put those cars no nope. uh, you're being really efficient mm -hmm. and you're being economical by having five people in one house mm -hmm. um, but you've got to put things somewhere right you know it's, yeah so these I mean they're just very practical issues that um, I have found myself really frustrated by because mm -hmm. I don't feel like a lot of elected officials seem to be aware of them. Mm -hmm. So when I complain about parking downtown or that I have to circle the block to figure out where to put my car and then still pay $66 a year just mm -hmm. for the privilege of putting my car in the street where I don't want to put it in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, these are things that policymakers at every level 
don't always see because it's not their personal lived experience. Yeah. And I think that does tie back to being um, somebody who's gay in, in this space. Mm-hmm. We are said to have one of the largest, the largest class of gay legislators in Michigan in history. Mm-hmm. And all of them are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They all have wildly different lived experiences um, between, you know, from Lori being uh, bisexual and formerly married to a, a, somebody who identifies as male. Uh, you have Jeremy, who's been in this work for a long time. Uh, and you have me, who's um, from rural Michigan, but living in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. the, the bubble that is Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. uh, and engaged here. And then you have, um, you know, Jason Hoskins, who will be the first ever Black gay elected official in mm-hmm. Michigan uh, from Southfield City Council. Um, this is awesome. Like mm-hmm. you have all of these people who are going to bring varied perspectives along with their identity of who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes the conversation um, bigger and it it changes that conversation in Lansing because it's really easy to point to just one or two of us mm-hmm. and write us off. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to point to five or six of us and say, these people don't matter. Yep. So that's one of the things I'm really, really excited about is mm-hmm. being able to work with other people that are like us uh, in this space um, to do to do good progressive work. Yeah, it's exciting to hear too because you know obviously um, I'm pretty young and so you know a lot of this is is new and a lot of people sort of don't really um, haven't looked into the legislative legislative history of Michigan. But um, when I was interviewing with Jeremy. He told us that um, in 2014, when he first got elected, um, he um, the the queer the gay caucus it was it was historical, and there were two members in the gay caucus. And now we're looking at potentially how many did you say seven? Is I think it's six or six or seven. Okay, I mean, we're, there's so many of us. Yeah, two, yeah, yeah, two times, three times the amount. It's you know what I mean, and that's like you said, more perspectives in in both chambers, um, power in numbers definitely. Um, so kind of to pivot, what are some other issues, particularly LGBTQ issues, um, that you plan on addressing once in office? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. One, we need to solidify our rights under the Michigan, under Michigan law. Mm-hmm. We could no longer rely on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. given how right-wing it has dipped, thanks to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to solidify our rights to, of employment, of mm-hmm. um, right to marriage, right to uh, use the facilities that folks feel they need to use mm-hmm. based on their identity. Um, a lot of these these rights are not solidified into Michigan law. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to Dana Nessel, we've protected a lot of them for some period of time here. But if there's a different attorney general in the future, mm-hmm. we can't count on that staying there. Yep. And this is what you need a, a Democratic majority in both chambers for and Governor Whitmer there to sign them. Mm-hmm. You need to pass all these bills. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that just needs to be solidified into law that's currently being protected because we have an incredible attorney general and an, an amazing governor, mm-hmm. um, which may not always be the case. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing that I am still working on at the local level here before I leave the county commission. Mm-hmm. The last big thing I want to do before I leave the county board is to ensure actual public support for the gay community here locally mm-hmm. in Washtenaw County. There has never been a a a direct um a direct allocation to supporting the gay community from any of our local units of government mm-hmm. in Washtenaw County. Okay. Uh, candidly, it's because none of us have ever had any resources beyond basic needs in mm-hmm. the community. 
we are now at a, a unique point where we have one-time dollars that we can use um, for one-time things. Uh, and so one of the things I want to do before leaving the county commission is include uh, a, a couple hundred thousand dollars for capacity building for an LGBTQ resource in Washtenaw County. Uh, at U of M, students have the Spectrum Center. Uh, they're phenomenal. They're great. Uh, Eastern has a, an LGBT resource uh, board that I used to serve on the board of directors of. They do great work on campus. But once you leave the, the confines of the University of Michigan and campus, uh, there is um, not a, there's not a lot of support beyond that space. And for me, when I moved to Ann Arbor 11, 12 years ago, um, it was because it was a gay-friendly place. Mm -hmm. I said, if I have a choice of where I'm going to live in the world, mm -hmm. I'm going to live in a place that doesn't dislike me because of my sexuality and who I am. Right. And I picked Ann Arbor. I said, this seems like the best place in Michigan. But it was the Jim Toy Community Center um, that was the sort of on-ramp for me to get engaged in the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. um, we need, they've, they've really sort of lost a lot of their momentum that they had prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so a proposal I just uh, brought up to the county commission last night was to invest $225,000 into capacity building for that organization awesome. or, or some other organization. It doesn't necessarily have to be them, but some entity within the county mm -hmm. to say that there is a, a, a place for people to be welcome and safe. There's a place to go to figure out where are their opportunities to connect with other, other LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. Um, and to connect with resources. So mm -hmm. say you need a gay-friendly doctor. Um, those do exist. Mm -hmm. Do you know how to find one? No. Nope. I, I don't. I mean. <laughs> they do exist. Like yeah. those are things where, um, you know, things that we just don't think about uh, once you are outside of a university setting mm -hmm. that people still need. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, there are other communities that have a lot of life around their, their gay resource center. Um, whether it's affirmations in Ferndale mm -hmm. or if it's, you know, San Diego has one, you know, major cities usually have a, a space. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily a physical space like we used to have mm -hmm. uh, up in Carytown um, or if it's a whatever it is. But I think we've got to invest in building that capacity back up mm -hmm. at least for a couple of years so that we can develop it again. Yeah. Um, so that's something I want to do before I go to Lansing, mm -hmm. because I think we have the resources locally. Uh, and I'm not sure if I'll get support to do it or not. Mm -hmm. um, it is kind of a, a, a unique idea because we've never done it before. Mm -hmm. But I think it's something that could be really beneficial for particularly folks who graduate from U of M, like I did, mm -hmm. uh, and stay in Ann Arbor and want to continue to live here yeah. beyond the confines of campus, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. Campus is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But it's a different world out there once you leave. You just yeah. lose a lot of the incredible resources to some degree. Mm -hmm. And my hope is to um, make sure that Ann Arbor and Washington County at large still is as inviting as it can be. Yeah. Um, one comment I have is, uh, you know, Michigan and Eastern, you know what I mean? Ann Arbor is a college town. It's, it's very transient. There are a lot of people coming and going. Putting those resources towards a community center would serve, yes, the students, but students come and go like let's actually focus on the community do you know what i mean and people who are going to stay here and rebuild up um the community so that, that's awesome yeah i mean do you know there's a um a, a gay volleyball uh drop-in league that happens every summer all summer there are over 100 people that participate in it no no clue it's awesome yeah it is so cool 
And it's just put together by uh, a friend of mine just saying, hey, let's play volleyball mm -hmm. like every Wednesday and uh, or every Thursday. And like, let's let's do it um, and get out there. And it just has grown so much to where some days there are over 100 people playing on like mm -hmm. six, six different volleyball courts. That's awesome. That's yeah. community. Mm -hmm. It's not just around uh, one night out a week mm -hmm. uh, dancing as much as I do love that. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, a place for everyone where everyone is welcome. Yeah. You could be a student or most of the people there are uh, there are some grad students, a few current students, but most of them are just like normal gay adults mm -hmm. who live around the area yeah. that want to be with community. Yeah. So I'm just curious, just own selfish plug. Does um is it just your friend that kind of runs it? Like it's not really run out of there's no formal institutional support. Okay. None at all. Um the city of Ann Arbor is pretty accommodating and saying like, sure, use these volleyball courts. Mm -hmm. Um but you can't even necessarily reserve that space. So they just show up and early and <laughs> put up our own net to yeah. like, you know, use this park that nobody else seems to use pretty, you know, all mm -hmm. that much. Uh, and that's it. Like, mm -hmm. so that's where I'm getting at, like, as a, a place that sees itself as gay friendly in Washtenaw County, we haven't historically put our resources behind it. Mm -hmm. We've just um, basked in the glory of people assuming that's the case, mm -hmm. but we could do a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so maybe there'll be opportunities to support that at the state. A lot of it is, is legislative related at the state level. Mm -hmm. um, but I still think there's a lot of work to be done locally um, for a gay community to, to have a, a sense, a better sense of community than we've had um, in the past. Yeah. What um, now, so that's now local level. What would you do? Do you have anything in the works for if you did get into office at the, at the, in the house? Yeah, so it's really a, a toss up of who gets what bills, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of us want to expand the LA Larson Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. um, the way the legislation works in Lansing, basically, like a couple people, you can break it up to a couple of bills um, and then to see who introduces it. But all of us could be supportive of it, like mm -hmm. co sponsors and like push for it together. Um, that's ultimately the biggest thing okay. because if you can pass that, it translates down to everything else that I was talking about mm -hmm. around housing, employment, marriage. I mean, a lot of those things can be um, tied to that. You yep. basically say people have civil rights regardless of their gender, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you have to do. So that just says everything in Michigan applies universally regardless of those things. And it's a protected civil right. Now, is that is the Elliot Larson uh, Civil Rights Act? That's just that's um, that doesn't touch the the state constitution, does it? Um, it's not a constitutional amendment, but oh. it's as as tough as you can get without passing a constitutional oh. amendment. Okay, okay. Because you know, my mind next goes to well, if it ever gets challenged, then it would get challenged by the Michigan Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. um, but then. You get into courts and and that's a that's a much bigger battle. Um, I think that's one where you could the challenge with that one is you can get to the uh, lesbian, gay, and bisexual portion of it. It's mm -hmm. the trans community that, for some reason, um, conservative folks just do not understand or comprehend the need for supporting trans rights. Mm -hmm. um, it's scary. I think sexuality is scary to some people and the idea that you couldn't you don't know what gender you are or or if you feel like you identify as a different gender. Um, it's hard to articulate to people why mm -hmm. that, that why that is possible. Yeah. Um, and that 
it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's somewhat natural. Like that's just what happens with, with some folks and we have to support them mm-hmm. through policy and how our system of government government operates. But that's the piece that is always the hardest for getting this passed. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very happy that our, our, our community in Michigan has um, not been willing to give up the trans community uh, to pass the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, Wisconsin passed um, passed a LGBTQ, well, LGB protections years ago and said they'll come back to the trans community. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They still haven't. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the fight that we've had is generally making sure that the trans community is protected just as much as the rest of the community. Yeah. You know, I also grew up in, in rural Michigan. I never really knew any trans or gender non-binary people or gender non-conforming people. Um, and then going to Wayne State, where I, I, I went to Wayne State and then transferred here, um, you know, it's just the, the your perspective gets expanded and you, and you start learning things. Um, like you said, I think, like, the biggest problem is people just, like, don't know. And so the hardest thing then is, like, okay, well, how can I push you to at least like try to know, be willing to know. And that comes with, with you know, representation, um, more exposure. But, you know, that's that's good to hear that you don't plan on making concessions just for a small victory for a small group of the community. Right, it's more than just uh, one section of the community. If we don't stand together, uh, it, it just isn't gonna be worth it. Mm-hmm. We have to stand together. Um, you know, and I think the, the other thing is we need to get somebody elected who's trans mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, some of that is actually on not just the, the Republican side of the aisle, but the Democratic side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been very easy for um, someone to, it would have been very easy for me not to be the candidate in this seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else absolutely could have run, more people could have run um, who don't identify as gay mm-hmm. in a seat that is, um, that leads democratic and where quite frankly, I can get elected. Mm-hmm. If I were running in my hometown, um, I wouldn't have a chance of, mm-hmm. of getting elected. Um, and I love my hometown for what it was, but it is not where I want to live yeah. uh, as, as an adult. Um, and that is on the democratic party mm-hmm. to make sure that we are supporting candidates who are gay and trans, particularly in the areas where they can win, uh, and they can, truly represent their constituents well, um, because that is not every district. So it's a huge, um, I guess, kudos to the the local Democrats here that they um, were happy with me running as Mm -hmm. an openly gay person. Obviously, I have a long background. I didn't just show up yesterday. I've been working on serving the community for a long time. Um, But that identity is is an important piece that that really uh, may not have been the case if it weren't if it weren't for me running. Yeah. So um, last thing I would ask you, speaking about important races, is what are some races that um, you've been canvassing for that you think are really important that people should look into, um, possibly donate, um, volunteer, et cetera? Yeah. Oh, gosh, there are a whole bunch, but I'll keep it to a, a small list. Uh, there are a lot of them right around Washtenaw County here. Jennifer Conlin, just north of Ann Arbor, is a critical seat that we can win, mm-hmm. and she's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like she's incredible. Um, and 
that is one where like students want to get engaged and volunteer. They it's like right close to home. Like mm-hmm. they can it's easily accessible. Um, there's a woman named Reggie Miller running uh, in the southeast part of Washington County. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like half an hour away. Students could definitely get involved there. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I've been spending some of my time, I was just up in Marquette uh, this week, mm-hmm. knocking doors in the last Democratic seat north of the Mackinac Bridge uh, for a woman named Jen Hill, who's on the Marquette City Commission mm-hmm. and in a really tough seat. Uh, and then this Saturday or Sunday, I will be in Traverse City, knocking doors in a super competitive district uh, up there where we can we have a chance of winning a, a seat that historically was not winnable prior to redistricting. So what, those are some of the big ones. What's is it a is it a house seat or is it a house seat? seat? Okay, it's Betsy Coffee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, thank you again for for joining us and talking and sharing your perspective. It's been it's been an honor talking with you, um, and I wish you best of luck in in November. Thanks. Yeah. Great time to you too. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our third episode of Political Inquiry. Tune in next week for our season finale where we sit down with our podcast team to recap the season and to talk about the results of the midterm elections. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share us on your social medias and with your friends and family. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at InquiryPod. That is I-N-Q-U-E-E-R-Y-P-O-D. Thank you again for tuning in, and until next time, take care.